Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. Sprite Castle. With Robo Hair. Sprite Castle. Hello and welcome to Sprite Castle, the show in which I play, discuss, and review Commodore 64 games. My name is Rob Flack O'Hara, and on this episode of Sprite Castle, I will be discussing Gauntlet. What is the connection between the arcade version of Gauntlet and Star Wars? You will find out on this week's episode. But before we get started talking about this episode's game, let's check the Daily Sun for this week's Paperboy headlines. Welcome back to another episode of Sprite Castle. Uh, I have had a great week. I hope you guys have had a great week. Uh, Frank from Retro Rewind, who is sponsoring the show, recently sent me a box of goodies from their store. And one of the things he sent me was a wireless modem for the Commodore 64. So I have spent way too much time modeming all week long. Uh, you know, there are certain things I was thinking about this over the past week. There are certain things that feel uh, okay to me via emulation. You know, I have an adapter that will allow me to plug a DB nine joystick into my PC. It's a, uh, you know, an Atari to USB adapter. So I can play games on an emulator and it feels perfectly you know, it just doesn't take away, especially games that are joystick based. I'm not talking about uh, uh, text adventures or things that involve typing, but just joystick games that feels okay to me. And of course, right next to me, I've I've covered all this is my Mister. And again, I have a, a you know I have an arcade joystick, I have a, a game pad, uh, and those things just it just feels okay to me for Commodore 64 stuff. But man, there's something about calling a BBS. Whether you're doing it on your your PC or um, you know I, I've I've been messing around with the built-in modem settings on the Mister through the Commodore 64 core, but it never quite feels authentic. I mean, you know, on the BBS you spent so much time typing on the keyboard, and it just doesn't feel authentic to me. Uh, without it's not that it has to be authentic. I'm not talking about 100% authenticity. I'm just talking about um, it doesn't have that nostalgic feeling. You know, they have term programs on the PC that do Petsky graphics and you could call Commodore boards, but, uh, I don't know. There's something about just doing it on that actual Commodore 64, uh, keyboard, you know, and I had a older, I had a Wii modem, which was, uh, uh, made by someone else. And I haven't updated the firmware on it, but the firmware that came with it and it's old, maybe there's a new firmware available. I don't know, but, uh, the firmware that it shipped with, I could never get it to work with my wireless router. I couldn't, I had to turn off all the encryption on my router to get it to join the router, which is, you know, no good in, in, uh, <laughs> practicality, you know, but this, um, a brand new modem. And again, this is not a commercial. This is literally just uh, what I've spent the last week doing, but this, uh, uh, Wi-Fi modem that I've been using this new one as a newer firmware and it connected right up. It supports WPA2, which is what my router's running. And, uh, I was just able to get it up and running in, in just a few minutes. You have to get a term program that supports it. And it, it's, there's something weird about typing ATDT followed by a website and a port, you know, but, uh, man, it's just been a, a fun time. So I've definitely, I, I'm not sure. I got to get back with uh, the guys at Retro Rewind because I think they sent this to me as a giveaway that I'm supposed to give away, but huh, I sure am enjoying using it. <laughs> but um, I do have some other things that they've sent me uh, for giveaways. And so on the next episode, I'm going to get some stuff lined up and we'll do a fun little contest or a, a tweet to win kind of thing. So, uh, you can look forward to that on the uh, next episode. Uh, and man, like, I don't know if any of the guys out there running BBSs listen to Sprite Castle, you know, but I've been calling, um, Dark Level, um, Optical Illusion, Boar's Head Tavern is a new one that came up. And I just signed up to a new one called The Dead Zone. Uh, and, and, um, man, it just, it just really, sparks uh, that nostalgic thing. It's fun to get on the a real Commodore 64 and be connected to BBSs again. So, uh, you know what this is? Uh, I guess I will work this into a, a, a quick plug and just say that if you go to retrorewind.ca 
add a forward slash Sprite Castle to the end and you get 10% off. I don't get that money, by the way. That money is coming out of their pocket. But, uh, um, you know, if you do that, then you get 10% off. I think the Wi-Fi modem is just under $40. I think it's $37, $38, uh, something like that. So definitely a cool thing to check out. Uh, let's go ahead and move forward to the King of the Castle. The King of the Castle song for the last episode was Head Games by Foreigner. Get it? It was Barbarian. You cut the head off. It was uh, Head Games. Okay, I didn't say the jokes were good. <laughs> They're barely jokes. Uh, congratulations to Bill Spear, Steve Davis, Adam from the Retro Gaming Bygones podcast, Morgan Wentworth, The Slow Norris, Blue Train, and Sask Punisher for guessing the correct song. And by the way, Morgan Wentworth, uh, you know, kind of the idea of the King of the Castle, if it's not completely obvious, uh, is you got to tell me the connection between the song and the game. And Morgan Wentworth uh, did point out that, you know, you cut off people's head and Barbarian, so it was head games. Um, but also that song is performed by foreigner. And he said, these barbarians may have been foreigners, <laughs> which is an angle I did not think about at all. So, uh, I can tell you that the song at the end of this episode will probably be easy to identify, but I'm not going to accept anybody. I'm not giving out the key unless you tell me what the connection with this episode and this song is, and it's going to be a tough one. So, uh, if you listen towards the end of this episode, you will hear an eight bit song. And if you email me at Rob O'Hara at Rob and if you would put King of the Castle in the title there, I've had some of these go to my spam filter in Gmail. And if you put that title in there, I have a filter that, that makes sure it doesn't go to spam. So put King of the Castle somewhere there in the subject line and tell me what the song is and what the connection is to this week's game, which is Gauntlet, and you will receive a key to the party room. So I hope everybody is enjoying the party room this week, and I uh, can't wait to get the new group of Kings of the Castle moved in. In Commodore 64 news this week, well, we had a few things. Number one, I wanted to uh, list a website, give out a website. This is uh, a subdirectory on freeze64.com. Freeze64 is a great magazine. If you're not reading it, you should. Uh, but they have added a new uh, section on their website called Games in the Works. And that is uh, just uh, freeze64.com forward slash C64GITM games in the uh, I just typed GITM, but it's GITW, <laughs> Games of the Works. Uh, and if you uh, go in there, you can see games that are currently under development, and they're doing a great job of tracking those games. So I'm going to start checking that as well. Um, I don't normally report on Games in the Works because there's so many. I like to wait until they come out. But every now and then, there's one that's super exciting. Uh, by the way, today is May the 4th. May the 4th be with you. And I was really hoping that Empire Strikes Back was going to be released today uh, for the Commodore 64, but not quite yet. We did get a, a great new trailer for it on Twitter, but uh, I will link to that in the show notes just because I'm so excited to see that game. Uh, other news, we had uh, a new, this is a big, big news, uh, Game Base 64 version 17 was released. I believe there's almost 2,000 new games that have been added to Game Base 64, which puts the number of titles just over 28,000 Commodore 64 titles. Now, uh, the home to Game Base 64 is GB64.com, but... Uh, you cannot download Game Base 64 from there. You'll have to search dark corners of the web to, to find it. And trust me, I'm looking for those dark corners right now. Um, but they have announced that version 17 is out. So uh, get on your uh, uh, your trench coat and your whatever uh, uh, detectives, get your magnifying glass and get out there and start looking for Game Base 64. Uh, lots of new games released over the past couple of weeks. There's a new release of Space Panic. This was an old ColecoVision game, I believe, is where it started. This was released by Carmack. Um, and so and, and I'm running long on the news section this week, so I'm just going to kind of run through these titles. Um, but I will have links to all these in the show notes. So if you go to podcast.rubblehair.com and look up this episode, you can find all these links. There's a new game called Heli, uh, which is kind of similar to Hero. You're a helicopter going through a maze doing different things. Uh, new game called Paralander, which kind of reminded me of a cross between Frogger 
and Skydiver. You have to, if you've ever played Skydiver on the Atari 2600, you drop people down with parachutes. But uh, in this version, you have to land on different platforms and, and avoid uh, uh, dirigibles, <laughs> blimps that are going back and forth. So it's, uh, it's pretty fun. I did play that one this week. Uh, there is a new game called Up, which is a arcade reaction game released by the Mighty Axle. A new game called Jump Out, which if you've ever played Bounder, it is a game where you go through a maze, uh, and as you go through the maze, the tiles behind you disappear, so it's similar to Bounder, uh, but Jump Out has been released, and uh, Boxy Moxie is now released, and Boxy Moxie um, was only released on a physical cartridge for a while. It is a puzzle game that uh, stars two cats. Boxy and Moxie, and each one has different skills. So you have to control one and move them into position and control the other one. It's one of those types of puzzle games. And uh, Boxy Moxie is now available on itch.io under a pay-what-you-want format. So you can pay however much you want and download that in a CRT format. So that's uh, uh, great news. It's a, it's a really great game if you haven't seen it yet. Uh, and finally, I saw uh, a new game called Bad Moon Rising, which was released by Cytronic. Uh, you are exploring a formerly secret German base, which is located on the moon. Uh, there's lots of different levels and types of gaming and stuff built into this. It looks really good. Uh, this is, uh, again, a Cytronic release. It's also... Uh, on itch.io, and I believe this one is $4.99, but uh, you might want to just go to YouTube and uh, check out videos, or again, go to the show notes, and I'll have a link to that, and you can check out and see what that looks like, but it looks like a really fun game with a lot of different types uh, of gaming. Uh, finally, I'll just Joe, go right in. I'll Joe right in. That's a G.I. Joe term. <laughs> I'm going to Joe in. <laughs> I'm going to jump in is what I was going to say uh, to my list of Patreon supporters. These are the guys that uh, have have agreed to contribute a little bit to the show every month. And uh, it's greatly appreciated. I've got a couple of uh, projects I'm working on directly uh, for the podcast and uh, and the funding for that comes right from these guys. So I want to take just a second and thank all my Patreon supporters. Those supporters are Alan Hudgens. Armadon Restel, Carrie Clinton, Chris Folds, Christopher Warren, Cowbird Boy, Dan Paradroid Heavey, Darren Folds, Dave Zilly, David Chambers, David Hearn, David Modelak, Eric Stryanisi, Garrett Allier, Gary Heather, Graham Vebke, Jake Nonamaker, Jason Warrens, John Morrison, John Bodakart Schaller, Boat of car, Schaller, not a boat, boat of cart. <laughs> that's a different, that's a cart full of boats for God's sake. Uh, John Treholt, Jose Quizada, Joshua Eckroth, Mark Alley, Matt Hill, Matt Nicholson, Mike McLaughlin, Mitsuyama, Mr. Bundy, Mr. Wacky, Olaf Hope, Patrick Markey, Rydar and Christopher Bow, Rick Reynolds, Roy Jacobs, Scott Lambert, Scott, uh, Scott Vondrasak, boy, I'm tongue-tied today. Scrap Arcade, Stephen Burt, Steve Rasmussen, Steve Sharippa, The Slow Norris, Vintage Volts, Zeke Pabsky, and The Mysterious Cobra Kai. I also wanted to give a special shout-out to our newest Patreon supporter, which is Scott Vandrasak, who is one of my 16-bit supporters. You, you get access to almost everything on the uh, 8-bit support level. I'm not trying to get rich, just, uh, you know... It helps. It helps out with funds. It helps out with storage. It helps out with uh, uh, domains and things like that. But the 16-bit, uh, these guys are, are really have kicked it up a notch, and so um, uh, they do get a few extra little uh, benefits on Patreon. And so, if you want to see what all the benefits of the Patreon are, go over to patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara, and you can see all the fun stuff going on over there. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at RobOHara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Robcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. And don't forget that all Patreon supporters also get access to the Amigos Discord server, which is home to several communities, including the Amigos, ARG Presents, Pixel Guide-In, and the TeamSpeak Irregulars. And Sprite Castle. There's a big Sprite Castle area there, so if you want to come talk Commodore 64 stuff, that's a great place to do it. Uh, this episode of Sprite Castle is proudly sponsored by Retro Rewind. For all your Commodore 64 bits, bytes, and accessories, 
visit Retro Rewind at retrorewind.ca forward slash Sprite Castle for a 10% discount on all orders. And I forgot to mention this on, um, if, if you don't, you may only listen to this show. You may not listen to You Don't Know Flack, but on the next episode of You Don't Know Flack, I wanted to shout this out because I'm going to be talking about modems. Uh, so it won't be just that modem that I've been using this past week, but it'll be all the way back to, uh, gosh, the first modem that we had, you know, on the uh, Apple II and, and talking about all the modems and stuff. So there's a little bit of crossover there. Uh, and if you like old technical stuff, uh, then you might want to give uh, look up You Don't Know Flack and check that out. And those are this week's headlines brought to you by my local paperboy who just wrecked into my neighbor's flamingo. Disguised as a likable juvenile delinquent, paperboy journeys through a world of incredible danger. Now that we've covered this week's news, let's discuss this week's snack. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Crack, crack, crack the egg into the bowl. Talking snack. You know, when I play these old games, sometimes uh, I think of food that's related to the game. Sometimes I think of food that uh, has to do with that time period in my life or something that reminds me. You know, it could just be um, something you know random that reminds me of the game. Uh, but this one was pretty easy because in Gauntlet, there is food that you need to uh, replenish your health. And the food looks like a big, either a ham or a turkey, something like that on a plate, you know? Uh, and, and it's a, a big blue plate. And and, um, <laughs> and so uh, a couple of days ago, as I was doing some research for this game, my wife said, uh, I want to have faux giving. And I said, okay, I forgive you. She said, not forgiving, faux giving, like F-A-U-X. I said, what is that? She said, well, that's when you cook Thanksgiving food, but it's not on Thanksgiving. It's it's fake Thanksgiving. It's faux giving. <laughs> I said, okay, whatever, whatever, you know. And um, so she uh, bought a, a turkey breast and, and cooked that in the oven, and she made mashed potatoes, and she made stuffing and corn and and uh, bought these little pumpkin pies and, you know, just all the stuff that you typically uh, associate with a, a Thanksgiving meal. And uh, when it was time to eat, she brought it uh, to the table. You know, I met her at the table and and uh, it was on this big blue plate. And, and I just looked at it. And I thought it looks exactly like the food <laughs> from, from Gauntlet. <laughs> it's just and she's like, oh, it kind of does. Of course, my wife, um, not a huge gamer, but she did have a Nintendo uh, in college, and she had a few games, and Gauntlet was one of the games uh, that she that she played all the time. So she goes, I didn't even think about it, but it does look like the little plate of food in, in Gauntlet. So uh, that was, uh, you know, the, the next day, of course, we had uh, leftovers because there was so much uh, so much food, and uh, brought it in here on a on a plate and sat here and ate Gauntlet. And as I ran around picking up uh, plates of food, I, I was eating literally the same food. <laughs> Big slices of ham and turkey and all the little stuff on the side. So uh, that was the meal that I had with Gauntlet, was literally the meal that's also in Gauntlet. And speaking of Gauntlet, Gauntlet was published for the Commodore 64 in 1986 by Mindscape. It is a game for one to two players that uses joystick controls. Now, uh, I have talked about Mindscape, and Mindscape uh, published the U.S. version of Gauntlet. I believe U.S. Gold published the same game in the UK, uh, but I grew up with the Mindscape version, and so that was who I listed on the episode. Um, some of the Mindscape games on the Commodore 64 you might be most familiar with, and these are not games that they developed necessarily, but games that they published, and this included uh, 720, Afterburner, Bad Street Brawler, Days of Thunder, Indiana Jones and the Lost Kingdom, Pole Position 2, Sergeant Slaughter's Mat Wars. I may have to play that someday. Uh, and Willow, based on the movie Willow. Uh, and uh, I did cover 720 all the way back on Sprite Castle episode 14, uh, which was uh, one of the Mindscape games that I mentioned. 
the programmer on this is listed as Bob Armour, but I'm not sure that he did the Commodore 64 version. And uh, he did work on lots of other video games. He worked on Batman Forever. He worked on the Die Hard Trilogy game. Uh, he worked on Revolt, Mean Street. So he, he did work on lots of titles. But I think he might have worked on a, a different version that was imported to the C64, but he got credited for this. Um, the graphics is listed as Kevin Bulmer. Uh, he did the artwork for the game Mask. He worked on Skate Crazy and Dragons of Flame. Uh, he's actually credited for designing several games, including Mask, uh, Shadow Sorcerer, Rapid Assault, uh, and Druid, Demons of the Mind. The sound on this game was provided by Bill Allen, who worked on Star Rank Boxing, Deflector, Bust a Move 4. Later on, he worked on Myst and uh, several Lemmings titles. And the music in this game was done by Ben Daglish, who, if you know anything about the Commodore 64 at all, you've heard Ben Daglish's name. He was one of the most uh, proficient and most talented musicians working on the Commodore 64, who sadly passed away in 2018. new fantasy adventure from Atari Games. The most fun a quarter can buy. In Gauntlet, players select one of four available characters and head into a dungeon full of treasure, food, potions, and an unlimited number of monsters. Gauntlet was inspired by two things, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and a game for the Atari called Dandy, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, obviously, Commodore 64 version of Gauntlet is a port of the arcade version, which was released a year before in 1985. In the U.S., Gauntlet was released in a, I guess we call these a record album style package. This was a flat package that opened up like a book that was made popular by Electronic Arts and several other companies also released uh, games in this style, including Mindscape. Uh, the front has the Gauntlet logo, and then it has... Uh, all four characters. Now it has Warrior Gigantic <laughs> on the cover, and then three the three other characters in small circles. That would be Thyra the Valkyrie, Merlin the Wizard, and Questor the Elf. Uh, by the way, the warrior's name is Thor, but it wasn't always Thor. We'll talk about that in the trivia section. Uh, and then, of course, down in the bottom corner, you have the Mindscape logo and a note at the bottom that says Joystick Required. On the back, there are three screenshots of the game. Uh, under the first one, it says Commodore 64 version, and under the other two, it says Atari ST version. Uh, and then there's a bit of text on the side that says the arcade sensation comes home. This is it. The game everybody's been waiting for gauntlet. The most successful arcade game of all time has come home and it brings with it all the characters, dungeons, traps, treasures, and excitement you loved in the arcades featuring Thor, Thyra, Questor, and Merlin together again, ghosts, grunts, demons, lobbers, sorcerers, and death. Potions, magic keys, treasure, traps, transporters, and more. All the levels you know and love from the arcade. Two-player, join-at-any-time, play system. The action, sound, and animation of the arcade on your home screen. I would take a bit of umbrage. Well, I don't really know. I don't know how what the measuring stick is. Um, but when they say Gauntlet is the most successful arcade game of all time... I don't know if that means in the number of sale of units and the number of – maybe it's by the number of uh, coins brought in because everybody that's played Gauntlet knows that it is a quarter muncher. That's what this game was designed to do, which is a part of the problem with the the home version. Uh, I, I, I know that uh, Mortal Kombat is listed as one of, if not the most successful arcade franchise, uh, so – uh, I don't know about the most successful arcade game of all time, but that would be interesting to find out. Uh, inside, when you open it up, is a uh, a double panel 
in a uh, almost a comic book style of artwork with all four characters attacking uh, several demons. And um, the thing I like about this is they're all talking. They have like little talk bubbles, you know, like comic books. And um, uh, it just kind of shows them in action, which a lot of the other artwork is just the same artwork that you've seen on the control panel or on the side of the arcade cabinet. So this is uh, uh, an original piece of artwork, which is pretty cool to see. Uh, and then, uh, you've got the manual. Now, the interesting thing about the manual is that the disc loading instructions are separated into three sections. The first is Commodore 64. The second section is Atari 800XL, 64XM, and 130XE. And the third section is Atari 520ST and 1040ST. So I guess other releases of Gauntlet got a different uh, manual, but... I assume they thought that the Commodore and Atari versions were close enough together that they could lump everything together in one manual. Now, something very interesting uh, about the manual, which I don't know, you know, in the arcade, there were things that you could assume. Uh, I don't remember if the game told you this or if you just figured it out, but, you know, you would think, oh, you know, Thor, you know, the warrior, uh, he's he's a big muscly guy, so he must must do more damage. Uh, versus the elf, he does less damage, but he's quicker, right? So every character has um, different attributes that make them a little bit different to play. But in the manual, uh, it actually tells you the percentages and what's different about each character, and it, it lists all four of them. So it starts off with Thor, who again is the warrior. It says his armor uh, stops 20% of damage. Uh, his shot is excellent, which is twice normal power. Hand-to-hand combat is excellent. He can destroy generators, which we'll be talking about all these terms here shortly. And his magic use is poor. It damages most monsters, but not generators. Then next we have Thyra the Valkyrie. Her armor, her shield blocks 30% of damage, so she blocks more damage uh, than the warrior. Her shot power, it says, is poor, which I found surprising. I thought uh, throwing swords uh, would be uh, uh, better than, like, the elf who has a bow and arrow. Uh, Hand-to-hand, it is good. It can eliminate generators. And magic is moderate, which means it destroys most monsters and generators. Third on the list is Merlin the Wizard. Now, his armor is none, which means he takes the most damage uh, in hand-to-hand combat. His shot power is good. His hand-to-hand is poor. And then in parentheses, it says bare hands. (laughs) And so he cannot take out generators in hand-to-hand combat. And his magic is excellent, and it destroys all monsters and generators on the screen. Finally, we have Questor the Elf. His armor is leather, and it uh, protects you from 10% of damage. His shot power is good. Hand-to-hand is moderate, but cannot defeat generators. And magic is very good. It destroys almost all monsters and generators on screen. So uh, I just found it very interesting that, uh, you know, for a lot of people, like, we know this character is faster or this character does more damage. But uh, I thought it was very interesting that it actually showed the percentages in the manual. Uh, now, of course, the goal is to survive uh, the dungeon while collecting valuables and destroying evil creatures. This is from uh, the manual. Each level must be explored to find the exits to the next level. How long you survive is determined by your health score, which will go up and down as you progress through the levels. That's very true. Mostly it will go down. <laughs> but but when you find food, it will briefly go up. Uh, then it has a list. It says villains, ghosts, grunts, demons, lobbers, sorcerers, and death. And it mentions that death will take 200 health from you uh, when he attacks. I feel like it does more than that in the arcade, but I'm not sure. Uh, magic items, it lists as uh, potions, and then there are special potions, extra armor, magic power, shot speed, shot power, fight power, and pickup power, which allows you to carry more than 15 items, which is not really a problem uh, for most people unless you're playing a big marathon session. Uh, you'll also see it has listed food, cider, uh, poison, uh, which poison will take uh, one of your special powers and 100 points of health if you eat it. Uh, keys, treasure, amulets, and the amulets give you invisibility, and you will also encounter walls, uh, warpings, transporters, and exits. So there you go. That's every single thing you will find <laughs> in, the, 
game version uh, of Gauntlet. Uh, and then um, I found this is just an interesting fact. On the back cover, it says Mindscape, and then it has an address. It says 3444 Dundee Road in Northbrook, Illinois. Uh, and so I looked that up on Google Maps, and now that is listed as the center of deafness. <laughs> so I, I just thought, how interesting. Uh, what if you were a, a guy who, who got a job at the center of deafness and you had grown up playing Commodore 64 games? Uh, how cool would that be to find out you were actually working in the building uh, of the address of Mindscape. I bet nobody in that building knows that used to be the Mindscape building. Um, maybe I'll tell them. I'll send them a letter. When you load the game, uh, the first thing you will see is the title screen. It says Gauntlet, and it has uh, the Warrior and Valkyrie standing back-to-back. They're in a huge fight. If you've ever played the arcade game, this is the same graphic. It's obviously been redrawn. Uh, the uh, Commodore does not have the same uh, graphic resolution as the arcade game, but it looks pretty good. Uh, now, this always bothered me a little bit in the arcade game and in this version, uh, is that these two characters look nothing like what they look like in the game. Uh, in the game, Warrior looks like Conan. I mean, he's just a, you know, he has no shirt. He's carrying a battle axe. But in this picture... Uh, he has a, a mace, which nobody in the game has. Valkyrie's wearing a cape. Uh, both of them are wearing helmets, which they don't, uh, at least Warrior doesn't have a helmet on. Uh, and they're both carrying a shield. So there's a lot of stuff that Warrior has in this picture that uh, he does not have in the game. Uh, once you go past that title screen, you get to a credit screen, which says Gauntlet, and then it says program by, uh, or program for U.S. Gold by Gremlin Graphics, and it has uh, all the lists, all the uh, programmers, everybody I mentioned earlier, and, and even more people. There's a, a huge list of credits. If you hit spacebar again, you'll go to the control screen, where it tells you how to control the game. So there's a lot to go through before the game actually starts. Um, it tells you that player one... Is controlled by a joystick in port one. And if you want to use your magic items, like a magic potion, press the space bar. For player two, it says press the uh, your joystick in, in port two. And it says press any of the function keys for magic. Now, this is different than the manual. The manual says press F1 to use magic. So a little bit of a discrepancy there. Uh, the elephant in the room, I would say at this point, is that Gauntlet is famous for being a four-player simultaneous cabinet. Now, they did later release a two-player version because the four-player cabinet's quite a bit larger, and, and uh, obviously it was also more expensive. So there was a, a um, scaled-down two-player version that was released later, but... I think when people think of Gauntlet, like if you said how many people could play Gauntlet, the average person would say four. And so uh, the Commodore and, and really all home computers, uh, or most home computers, only had two joystick ports, and uh, you could only play two players at a time. Now, I believe there may be some ports or some hacks that allow you to play more people um, by with somebody using the keyboard, but out of the box, it's just this is just a two player game. Uh, now, the advantage of the two player game is that in the arcade cabinet, each of the four joysticks is assigned to a specific character. So if you walk up and you're, you know, the third from the right or whatever, you're always the elf, or the fourth, always the elf, and this this slot is always the magician. But in this one, you can pick whatever character you want to be, it's not assigned uh, to the specific joystick port. So once you go past that screen, you get to the character selection screen. So you use the joystick in port one to tell the game if you want to play one or two players. And then you will pick the characters that you want to play with your joystick. Of course, down at the bottom again, it says copyright U.S. Gold. Uh, and then uh, 1986 copyright Atari Games, all rights reserved. And once you finally get to the game, uh, the bottom says the challenge awaits. And then... The game begins to load. Now listen, there's a dark secret. It's not really a secret, and it's not dark, but the Commodore 64. And that was the 1541 disk drive was not fast. Now there were ways to speed it up. You could have a fast load cartridge. You could have Jiffy DOS. There, there were ways to make it faster. But on games where there's a lot of loading, there's just so much you can do. And in Gauntlet, there's a lot of loading. I mean, there's a lot of loading. There are 128 
different files that are levels, and then these levels get flipped left and right. Uh, I, I, um, uh, some, sometimes it'll show the mirror image or it'll rotate one, things like that. But there's loading between every level. All these things where you pick characters take loading. This is a, a slow game. You don't just jump into a game of Gauntlet. So I'm just warning you in advance. Get ready. <laughs> but once all the loading is finally done, uh, you're dropped into the game. Now you will begin on level one of the dungeon. Uh, each of the characters, uh, player one, player two, it shows your character's name at the bottom. It'll show your score and it'll show your health. Uh, and you'll notice immediately your health begins counting down about one point every second. Um, so you, if you just hang out and don't move, you'll die. Even if nothing ever attacks you, nothing ever hits you, your health will get to zero and eventually you will die. So the way to replenish your health is to eat food. Um, and, and that's, uh, that's how you stay alive in this game. So, uh, and there's lots of things that you'll hit that will try to take away that health, which we'll be talking about. Um, also, if you get uh, additional items like keys or magic potions, those will show up down at the bottom of the play area. Uh, again, you've got your joystick, which moves you up, down, left, and right. And as you collect magic potions, you'll hit the space bar for player one or a function key for player two to use those, which wipes out all the characters. So the goal of... Gauntlet, if you've never played Gauntlet, which is tough to imagine, but it's possible, is to work your way down through dungeons. On each level, there's an exit and kill everything between you and the exit. That's basically it. So you can either play the game to try to get the highest score or to see what level you could get to. But really, both of those have the same goal, which is just staying alive. Um, so you will face all different kinds of monsters. I name those monsters. You'll see ghosts. Uh, and grunts right off the, the bat, they'll be coming after you. And you'll notice that they're coming out of these different things, like the ghosts uh, emerge from these piles of bones, and the grunts have these little huts that kind of have a little logo on it. And those are generators, and they the generators will keep making monsters forever. So kind of the strategy is you want to kill the generators first, and the generators take multiple hits. Uh, but when you see the ghosts and they're coming out of the piles of bones, you want to destroy the bones first, if you can, uh, and then destroy the ghosts. Or you may have to kill enough ghosts so you can get to the generator, then kill the generator, then kill more ghosts. Um, when you are fighting these monsters, now all four of the characters I mentioned, the warrior, Valkyrie, uh, elf, and uh, the wizard, all of them have uh, missile weapons. So uh, warrior throws axes, Valkyrie throws swords, uh, the elf has a bow and arrow, and Merlin hurls fireballs. So everybody can shoot from a distance. But if you run into monsters, that is technically hand-to-hand -hand combat. Now, you don't really see hand-to-hand -hand combat. You don't see them punching or anything like that. Actually, what you'll hear is yourself getting pummeled. You'll hear a lot of ooh and ow. <laughs> uh, but eventually, the monsters will disappear. And again, as I mentioned earlier, Different characters uh, do better when it comes to hand-to-hand -to -hand combat, and the stronger two characters can also defeat generators by running into them, but the weaker two characters cannot. Now, one of the differences between the Commodore 64 version of Gauntlet and the arcade version is that in the Commodore 64 version, there is no digitized voice. If you have played the arcade version of Gauntlet, you are familiar with phrases like Stay in to open doors or Elf shot the food. <laughs> so one thing that a lot of people don't know is that the arcade version of Gauntlet was voiced by a man named Ernie Fossilus. Now, that name may not be familiar to you, but Ernie Fossilus was a comedian. Actually, he got his start in a, uh, a group called the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. He was a founding member of this group, uh, which was also headed by Richard Elfman. Uh, and Richard Elfman's younger brother named Danny Elfman joined the troupe. 
And uh, after they were done being in a comedy troupe, Danny Elfman uh, decided to split off and take part of the name and form the band Oingo Boingo. So, uh, so Ernie got his start there, um, but he is best known for his movie parodies. He made several movie parodies in the late 70s and early 80s, making fun of films, and one of those that he made was called Hardware Wars. And you may have seen this if you had HBO in the late 70s. Uh, Hardware Wars was in heavy rotation on HBO, and this was a, a, a film that kind of made fun of Star Wars a little bit. Uh, they had different, like an iron and an egg beater that were spaceships, and you could see the strings, and it was very low budget. The backgrounds were cut out of cardboard and things like that. But um, So Ernie Fossilis was the writer and director of Hardware Wars. Um, now, based on all those trailers uh, and funny films that he made, he was offered a job by Universal to work on comedy screenplays, and he wrote several uh, screenplays for movies and none of them were turned into movies. And so when that didn't pan out, they offered him some directing jobs and they actually, uh, offered Ernie the director job for Pee-wee's big adventure, but he turned it down, which, uh, <laughs> was probably good for all of us. I mean, I can't imagine that film made by anybody else other than, uh, Tim Burton, but because of hardware wars and some of his other, uh, things he got into doing sound effects and voice work, and he became friends with Ben Burt. Now, if you're a fan of Star Wars, you know Ben Burt is a sound designer who has worked on every Star Wars movie, and he hired Ernie Fossilis to do several different uh, voices and sound effects and things in Star Wars and other Lucas film movies. He actually voiced Ernie uh, Fossilis voiced the two pilots in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom that are in the uh, original plane at the beginning. Uh, he voiced Poggle, uh, which was one of the aliens in Star Wars Episode Two. He did the voice of the sobbing Rancor Keeper, which I thought was very interesting in Return of the Jedi. Um, and he is co uh, credited with co-writing the song Laptinique, which is the song that Sice Noodles sang in Return of the Jedi, which of course was cut out, which is a crime out of the special edition. Uh, and he actually wrote the lyrics to the original song in English, and then it was translated into Hutney's. So anyway, uh, Ernie Fossilis has a lot of connections with Star Wars and also did the voice in Gauntlet. So I thought that was pretty cool. playing gauntlet um you know there, there's some different strategies that you can use um and my strategy i used to always play the elf i thought that valkyrie was the best um balanced character but it turns out uh, the elf is actually better i mean he has armor his shots do more damage than the valkyrie and uh he's he's better at magic so if you're going to play by yourself uh, then that kind of rhymes. If you're going to play by yourself, you want to choose the elf. Uh, if you're playing with two players, you definitely want to work together. If one of you is getting low on health, that person can stand in the back. And so the person up front can, can shoot and then uh, make food available. And then the person in the back can get the food. Um, there's always that, uh, argument. Are you going to work together as a team, uh, which, which works out and you can usually play longer or is one person going to try to be greedy and get all the food and the treasure? And usually parties that do that uh, don't last very long in Gauntlet. And again, um, you know, there's that thing where you, you kind of have to figure out what your goal is. You can play Gauntlet to try to get the highest score, uh, or you can play it to see what level you can get to, or you can just see how long can you last, how far can you get in the game. You know, I guess that's kind of the same as... Uh, uh, what level you could get to, but uh, two different strategies, right? Because um, uh, in the early levels, there are exits that jump past some of the easier levels. So if you're trying to get points, you might want to work through those easier levels and build your score up. Um, speaking of score, 
in the manual, there are no point values listed for anything, which is always frustrating. Uh, so when you uh, shoot different uh, creatures or whatever, you'll just have to watch your score and uh, and see what different things are worth. But there's no listing in the actual manual uh, of what uh, the points are for each character. Uh, I found some different trivia. I talked a little bit about, I mean, I've already shared some trivia about Gauntlet, but um, this game uh, was going to be called Dungeons. And it was... Um, uh, made by a guy named Ed, Ed Log who worked for Atari and his son was really into Dungeons and Dragons. This is kind of a famous story. And he wanted to translate Dungeons and Dragons uh, onto, uh, you know, an arcade game, but he didn't really know how to do it, you know. And then um, he came across this game called Dandy. And boy, am I dumb. I've heard this story a million times. Uh, Dandy was a game for Atari computers. And if you watch a video, uh, it's it's very eight bit. It's very simplistic graphics, but you can't deny that it is you know the inspiration for Gauntlet. It is a character moving through a dungeon. There are different kinds of creatures. Um, you can get uh, food. There are potions and there are treasure. I mean, it, it is obviously what Gauntlet, you know, the, the gameplay of Gauntlet was based on. Uh, but I never figured out that Dandy was short for D and D. <laughs> I'm dumb. Uh, but anyway, uh, apparently there was a lawsuit uh, because Gauntlet was so uh, familiar, which I'll tell you something else I find interesting is that, um, Dandy was uh, on Atari computers. I guess maybe it wasn't published by Atari, but Gala was an Atari game. So it seems like there's something that could have been uh, worked out there yet. Uh, also, in some of the early literature, if you look, uh, Warrior's name is not Thor. His name is uh, Hulk. And Valkyrie was called Amazon. So those are things that changed over time uh, as the game uh, was uh, uh, further developed. Now, um, in the arcade, there was a Gauntlet 1 and there was a Gauntlet 2. And, and the biggest difference in Gauntlet 2 is that the characters were no longer limited to a physical position on the keyboard. So anybody could be any character and your position was uh, relegated to a color. So you could be Blue Elf or you know Green Warrior or whatever. Um, but, but essentially Gauntlet 2 is the same as Gauntlet 1 and, and Atari did not want to just keep releasing the same game over and over. And so there was a new Gauntlet 3 engine that was developed and it was a 3d engine. So it was going to be like a maze crawler type arcade game with four people side by side. Um, and, um, Atari lost interest in Gauntlet. They did not, uh, end up pursuing this. And so that engine was recycled and used for the game Zybots. So the next time you're on YouTube, if you're not familiar with it, look up the game Zybots and imagine that being Gauntlet three, which I think would have been fantastic. I think that would have been a lot of fun, but, uh, unfortunately it just wasn't meant to be now Gauntlet, uh, is like a lot of games that I think were terrific at the time and maybe haven't aged well. Uh, Gauntlet's a great game, but now with our uh, nostalgic or our rose-tinted glasses or whatever, our, our um, uh, you know, looking back eyes, we can see it for what it was. I mean, it's a great game. It has great graphics. It's a lot of fun, but it was designed to eat people's quarters. I mean, that's really what it was. That one added... Uh, game element of your health constantly ticking down doesn't really seem fair. It doesn't seem like you should be punished just for living. <laughs> and um, so a lot of people have, uh, you know, don't think of it as highly as we thought of it when it came out. When it came out, it was super highly regarded, and the Commodore 64 version was just as highly regarded. Uh, your Commodore magazine gave it 10 out of 10. Your computer gave it 5 out of 5. Zap gave it 93 out of 100. Commodore user gave it 9 out of 10. Uh, 64-er magazine gave it 13 out of 15. Commodore Force, 82%. Happy Computer, 84%. Uh, Lemon right now has a, uh, combined score of 7.6. So very, very, very highly regarded game. 
Um, and, and it's funny that a lot of these games give it a high review and then mention the same things that I'll mention in a moment, which is it's a little repetitive. Uh, this, the Commodore 64 is not the only platform, obviously, that Gauntlet was ported to. It was ported to, um, uh, I mean, name it. <laughs> All the Atari uh, computers, the 8 bit computers, uh, the Atari ST 16 bit computers, Apple II. Um, it was ported to, um, gosh, uh, DOS. Uh, it was, there's a version for the Macintosh. There's a Sega Master System, Xbox 360, ZX Spectrum. Uh, there's an Atari or Apple II and Apple II GS ports. So uh, it, it's. It was literally ported to just about anything that could possibly run it. Uh, now, in the uh, arcade, there were many different uh, Gauntlet games that followed, and all of these eventually found their ways to other platforms as well. Uh, but we have Gauntlet, and then we had Gauntlet 2. Um, now, this is now. let me backtrack here for just a second. Um, on the Commodore 64, uh, there's Gauntlet, there's Gauntlet 2, there's a, a name... Uh, excuse me, a game called um, Gauntlet 2 Deeper Dungeons, which is just more levels. And then there's a game called Gauntlet 3 The Final Quest. Now, Gauntlet 3 uh, The Final Quest is an isometric view gauntlet game, and it's not very good. Most people don't don't enjoy it very much. Um, But then uh, after those, uh, there was uh, Gauntlet 4 on the Genesis, which has a port that's... uh, it's almost arcade quality. It's really good. Uh, later on, it moved to another reboot called Gauntlet Legends, which was an arcade game, and then that was later released on, um, I think that's on Dreamcast, maybe Nintendo 64. Uh, there were Gauntlet Seven Sorrows was another thing, and then there's a uh, new release of Gauntlet. I think there's a Gauntlet out for the PS5, so there are still Gauntlet games coming out today, but... On the 64, if you look on Lemon 64, there's Gauntlet, Gauntlet 2, Gauntlet Deeper Dungeons, and then Gauntlet 3, The Final Quest, which does not correlate to an arcade game. If you want to own an original copy of Gauntlet uh, on eBay, you're going to pay about $25 for the game on a complete cassette. I could not find a complete version of the Mindscape uh, or U.S. Gold release on disc, but a disc by itself, just the floppy disc, was going for about ten dollars. So um, it, it's um, not not super expensive. Uh, Twenty five dollars for a cassette is uh, more expensive than a lot of games, though. So apparently, there's a lot of people with nostalgic <laughs> relations with Gauntlet. And now let's talk a little bit about my personal memories of Gauntlet. All right, time travelers, seatbelts fastened. Let's get away. Memories. I recently told this story on a stream, and so I'll go through it quickly. I may have told it before. Uh, I think I've told it before in an episode of You Don't Know Flack where I was talking about arcades. But uh, in seventh grade, which was 1985 for me, uh, a buddy of mine and I, my buddy Jeff, got invited to a birthday party. And uh, the birthday party was held at Bally Lamont's Arcade, which was inside Crossroads Mall. And every arcade had its own um, personality. You know, I've talked about Cactus Jacks, uh, which was kind of dark and scary. Um, there were, you know, arcades that were co-located with, uh, I mean, there were arcades that were in bowling alleys and, um, you know, just all different kinds of arcades. But Bally Lamont's was like, the the arcade that had money like they had the flashing lights when you walked in and they had the latest games that was the first place i ever saw dragon's lair that was the first place i ever saw and it's all you know all kinds of games when they were brand new that's where they would go and this is where i saw gauntlet now at this birthday party this poor kid's birthday party i think they'd paid for a party for like you know 13 14 15 kids whatever and uh, only four of us showed up the kid his cousin and uh, then his cousin had invited uh, Jeff and I, and so it was the four of us. So we got the tokens that were supposed to be for more than a dozen kids just split four ways. So we had our pockets were just loaded down with tokens. And up in the front area on this pedestal, they had gauntlet. It was brand new. It was surrounded by lights. And we got up there and we just pumped token after token into that game. And... uh 
I think I mentioned, uh, this is a, a different, uh, Andy, uh, I, I think I referred to him on the stream as, uh, Andy G, but this is not the Andy that I recently interviewed, but, um, Andy and Jeff and I all played Dungeons and Dragons and Andy's older brother was uh, a dungeon master. And so, uh, we were all, all three of us were super into Dungeons and Dragons. And when I saw Gauntlet in the arcade, uh, I was like, wow, somebody took Dungeons and Dragons and made an arcade game. And the best thing about it to me was how fast the game was. You know, I mean, I loved Dungeons and Dragons, but Dungeons and Dragons is a slow game. Like, you know, you got four or five people in a party and then you go, okay, what do you want to do? I want to walk over there. Okay. And somebody rolls a dice. Hey, good job. You walked. <laughs> or I want to look under these rocks. Okay, let me roll a dice. Uh, yeah. And um, and and Gauntlet wasn't like that. Gauntlet was like, here's the monsters. They're coming after you. You got to shoot them. You got to go. We gotta we gotta run. Go down the maze. Whatever we're doing, you know. It was it was just super fast, you know. And um, it's funny that when you load Gauntlet, uh, it comes up with the high score screen because I never thought about the score. You know, I, and really, I never thought about what level could I get to. It was just about how long can you stay alive. That was really my only thought uh, in Gauntlet was give me the food, <laughs> give me the treasure. I'll stand in the back. You guys shoot all the monsters, and then I'll run around. That's why I like to play Elf because he's fast. And so you could hide behind everybody, and then when they would shoot the monsters, then I could run around and get the treasure. <laughs> um, but, you know, in the arcade, Gauntlet was all about money. It was a, how many tokens do you have? Do you have to keep, you know, putting tokens in uh, to get more health so that you could stay alive, you know? And, um, you know, once you get the home version and there's no money involved anymore, and, and you know, I'll, I'll do you one better. I owned a Gauntlet 2 arcade game. I actually owned arcade cabinet of Gauntlet. And it was the same thing. You know, you could flip open the coin door and just put a million credits on there. And then, you know, I used to joke, you know, it's not about how much money do you have. It's how long will your back hold out? <laughs> because you could stand there for hours and play gauntlet, you know. And and um, uh, and it was the same way on the Commodore 64, you know. Now, one of the things it mentions in the manual is that uh, the other player can always join in, which means as long as, like, if player you're both playing, you know, with a friend, both of you are playing, and player two dies, as long as player one's alive, player two can come in. And then if player one dies, player one can come back in. And so as long as one of you are alive, the other one could come in. So the game really never ends until you just get sick of playing, you know? So I do remember Jeff and I playing Gauntlet, um, but it just kind of gets tedious. You kind of, on the home version after a while, you think, man, what's the point? You know, if you could continue forever, you know, what's the point? Like, I wish there was a... Uh, an X amount, like when you started, you say, okay, I've got, you know, I have four quarters or I have 10 or I have whatever. And that's the most uh, times you could continue. I think it would have made it um, a, a little bit uh, better of a game. So I do remember playing it. But the other thing that I remember is that other games came along and did it better. Uh, Demon Stalkers uh, is a game that's similar to Gauntlet, but there's a lot more depth to it, and it's a better game. Uh, on the stream the other night, I played Into the Eagle's Nest. That's a better game than Gauntlet. So, um, you know, there are a lot of games that took the basic gameplay of Gauntlet and then improved on it. And that's, uh, uh, so we played Gauntlet, and then when other games came out, we quit playing Gauntlet. For graphics, I give Gauntlet 3 out of 5 potions. Uh, they're not bad, but the characters are not very detailed, and they're a little small. For music, I give it 4 out of 5 potions. You'll hear the, the same theme from the arcade version and the music in between levels, and it's all done pretty well. For sound effects, I'll also give it 4 out of 5 potions. You don't get the digitized voice, but you do get sound effects, and they do sound pretty good. But overall, I have to give Gauntlet 3 out of 5. It's not bad, but it does get monotonous pretty fast. And again, there are other games that built on uh, the basics of Gauntlet and did it better. So uh, I certainly uh, wouldn't talk anyone out of playing it, but as you'll find out, you probably won't want to play it forever.
Thanks again for tuning in to Sprite Castle. If you have feedback about this or any episode of the show, you can email me directly at Rob O'Hara at robohara.com. Join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash robcast. Follow me on Twitter at Commodore or leave me a message on the podcast hotline at 405-486-YDKF. And don't forget all Patreons of my shows get behind-the-scenes blog posts, weekly videos, access to the Amigos Retro Gaming Discord server, and other additional perks. To find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash Rob O'Hara. This episode of Sprite Castle is proudly sponsored by Retro Rewind. For all your Commodore bits, bytes, and accessories, visit Retro Rewind at retrorewind.ca forward slash Sprite Castle for a 10% discount on all orders. Sprite Castle is available from iTunes, Spotify, the RSS feed at podcast.robohair.com, and through the official Amigos podcast feed at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. To hear more podcasts from me like You Don't Know Flat, Cactus Flax, Throwback Reviews, and Multiple Sadness, visit podcast.robohair.com for links to these shows. Many of the news articles and game details for Sprite Castle come from websites such as Commodore News, Indie Retro News, Vintage is the New Old, the Commodore Scene Database, Lemon64, and Moby Games. Thanks again for listening. Now head back to the dungeon, and I'll see you here next time on Sprite Castle. <laughs>